who would have thunk that we would be using the word hybrid to describe workplaces of every type right now? This week in the Let's Make Work Human Stop the Suck podcast, May and I are kicking the tires of what it really means. Do you love it or do you want to leave it? Let's take a close look at this phenomenon that we've never lived through before that we all are calling hybrid work. In a world where workplaces are sometimes toxic for people and humanity has been squeezed out by outdated rules, how do leaders who care create enlivened workplace cultures? This show has the answers. On Let's Make Work Human, we discuss how organizations can meet their mission and make a profit without squeezing the life out of people. The path to how lies in unbreakable connections, clear purpose, and real partnerships that debunk and demolish old mindsets about the world of work. I'm Mo Carrick, and I'm beekeeper, mother of adults, CEO, culture expert, award-winning entrepreneur, and best-selling author, and I'm joined on this show by my colleague and friend, awesome coach, mother of a toddler, award-winning creative, DEI facilitator, and millennial, May Rats. Together, we tackle teams that gossip, leaders who are bad for people, partnering while working, belonging, and so much more with an irreverent and honest look at what it takes to make every workplace fit for the human beings who work there. We're on a mission to stop the suck and restore humanity to work. This show will warm your heart, challenge your thinking, and leave you laughing out loud. Good morning. Good morning, Mo. Good morning. Welcome back. You are, you're saying it better than I will ever. So why don't you just tell us, tell us what the, what the question is. Well, what I've been totally immersed in thinking about and talking about, you know, lately, and it's been like lately, I could easily say the last two and a half years, but particularly this week, because of a certain famous writer by the name of Malcolm Gladwell, (laughs) who talked about return to office, what what I want to talk about today is like, what is the future of how we work vis-a-vis what is being called hybrid work arrangements? And like, what does that even mean? And where is it heading? Because I think, yeah, that's the question. What the F do we mean by hybrid work? And what's the future going to bring? Yes. Good. I'm glad you did the alternate, the alternate title. That's what it actually should be. Well, let's define let's define hybrid work as we're seeing it. Not as we know it, but as we're seeing it right now. What are you noticing about how people are putting out hybrid work right now? Well, it's become the catch-all term. I mean, I think in COVID times when COVID hit, the catch-all term became hybrid work because everybody evacuated offices and workplaces when when COVID hit because of the global pandemic. We thought it would be for maybe a couple of days and it was a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still happening so, yeah. and it's still happening and and let me do a little commercial interlope here may because i think <laughs> i think that there's a specific class of worker for whom the hybrid work term is largely being applied and that is really the knowledge worker the professional services worker or the knowledge worker who doesn't have to be at a specific location so yes. anybody at the front line you know in fire services or healthcare or retail or restaurant you know has to be at a place in time and and um but i think 
so when we say hybrid, we're often talking more about the knowledge worker, the people that were in offices and cubicles all over the world, you know, coming in via a commute to their location, working there, and then going home at night. But what I'm noticing about the term itself is that it's also come to describe when we work in terms of work flexibility. And those are really different things, like where we work and when we work are quite different. And I think that term hybrid work has become a catch-all for like that anything that is different than nine to five working (laughs) in a cubicle or an office in a building. Yeah, which is really funny because we have gone away from remote work being the term and hybrid work is somehow the more palatable version of remote work. I'm not really sure why remote work actually wasn't palatable. I feel like very clear, but hybrid work is like that you might go to the office sometimes or you do have a cute, you do have a cubicle sometimes. Fridays or something. You go, you know where the office is. I don't know. You have an office. So this is why it's very confusing. Cause like, am I are you and I hybrid workers because we have offices or we have fully remote workers? We are I think this is also we part of the issue. all ourselves. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so this, well, this is why I think it's also hard for the like the knowledge worker right this minute to even try to negotiate for whatever they're trying to do or want to do when it comes to hybrid work or remote work or totally non-remote work. Cause it, it, we, what are those things? And they come with some sort of stigma right now. They do all of them. And, and, and also what I'm seeing is that employers and leaders are also really struggling because, you know, and we'll dig into this, like, but as we look at the variations of, of work around location and timing, as that as that has evolved, employers are struggling to figure out what do they want to do, right? They let everybody go home, knowledge workers go home because they had to in the global pandemic. Some of them have required them to come back. Some of them haven't. Many of them don't have a stance yet. And they're also frustrated. They're noticing some things that are going wrong. So we'll, we'll get to that. But I wanted to just say that like part of what I'm so excited to talk to you about this topic about May is that this week in particular, there's been like a big amount of energy in response to what Malcolm Gladwell said. Mm -hmm. And so we've got like, to me, it's like the battle of the white guy pundits here. (laughs) The (laughs) white guys who also work remotely. Like, let's just say that. They all work remotely. They're all battling on Twitter. Yeah. And we have, so Malcolm Gladwell, whose work (laughs) I admire and respect, he's very bright person and I appreciate (laughs) writing quite a bit, author of Blink and many other books. He said in an interview very emotionally that he felt that, you know, we were really in trouble if people didn't return to work. And he was referencing in particular culture and that people are not going to do well when they're all at home because they need to feel part of something, which there is something to that, which we'll get to. But he himself has been working remotely most of his career so his statement wasn't very credible but then we had another very esteemed white guy adam grant come forward who again whose work i respect greatly who said no like we can't expect people to come back to workplaces that are toxic if you want them to come back to work make the culture good and i was like yes yes adam grant but then as i've been thinking about i'm like well that's a tiny bit naive as well Mm -hmm. because the choices people are making around in particular where they want to work, but also when they want to work, have a lot more to do with their primary relationships that are that are their core communities, not necessarily their communities at work. So there's a lot of end both for me around what these two and others are saying, and it's not black and white. I just don't think it's black and white. I don't think so either. I mean, even when people very early on in the pandemic were talking about how to bring people back to work, 
there was some there was some chitter chatter i feel like about well how do we know that they're working how do we know what they're doing there was some like weird control stuff going on mm-hmm. but i feel like that got tabled pretty early of like okay no the second bit that came in was about community it was about like how do you keep everybody connected how do you do that right and we did a lot of work around how to like build a great zoom call how to you know how to host community inside of a virtual world but i feel like we haven't quite that hasn't quite sunk in as the actual issue which is what i think these two white guys are that's what they're reacting to is that people are asking them for answers and they don't know what the freaking answer is. Right. And everybody is asking them how to keep their people connected because what they're feeling is a lack of culture or a different, a different culture than when they left. Right. So they're looking for answers around that. They're looking for answers. Absolutely. And I wish part of me wishes that they would come out more authentically with what I am feeling, which is we do not know the answers. There is, we are, we are in new territory here and we have to explore it together. And so let's talk about two different intersecting pieces. Let's talk about where we work and then let's talk about when we work. And then let's also talk about impact on employers and impact on employees. So let's start with where we work, which is what, as you said, is historically called remote work for knowledge workers. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing, I don't know about you, what you're hearing, but what I'm hearing is people do not want to go back to the office. <laughs> yeah. The vast majority do not want to commute again. They don't want to have to go to a space that they're required to be in every single day for the whole day away from their family and friends anymore in the way that they once were expected to do. Mm-hmm. There are some exceptions to that. And, and but I'm hearing that for the from the employee perspective, they are employees are feeling that they are higher performing and have a better work-life balance when they're able to work from locations other than their previous cubicle or office. Yes. I mean, I'm thinking even of this micro example of our friend Oakley mm-hmm. and they do have an office <laughs> and they still don't work in it. Yeah. You know, they're still working where they want to work. So even when offered an office right now, it's like, they're not going to do it even though it's just down the street. Right. That's yeah, and that's a different every- thing. Yeah, and that's happening everywhere. We're seeing that with, you know, the employers in our in our client suite that have reopened their offices. Um, most of them report having a few people coming in to the offices, but for the majority, the offices are empty. And I think that the employees yeah. are saying that they that they like that. Now there is another thread though that is where for me the end boldness comes because I'm also hearing from employees that they do feel a bit untethered and lonely they they appreciate that they're able to work without a commute but they're not feeling as connected to the company and to the community of their workers yeah which we just had a meeting about our own staff where like we feel that you know and i think i think that's the problem for me is the thing that you're you're naming is that we're trying to solve the wrong problem Mm. we're trying to solve the problem of like how to get everybody back to work because that's how we're like used to it we want to go back to like the comfortness of everybody goes to work and then we know where they are. I think there's also this some weird thing that somebody's on a Zoom call while they're hanging out at the beach or something. I, I don't, I don't well, know. A lot of people I, are. Well, I mean, and I think a lot of people are at the fine, beach. Right? Like, well, like, it is, but I think that's still a radical shift for employers. So, so let's go to the employers in a second. Let's stick with the employees yeah. because the other thing is some employees 
the place is also problematic for some employees. Yes. People that have very small places or, or even like in my own home, my husband also works at home and I sometimes yeah. feel crowded like our home has become momentum headquarters <laughs> and i'm like i'm gonna move out so that i can have a home that's separate from our respective businesses and i oh, hear yeah. that from other people yeah the minute i got a separate office my marriage increased in happiness immediately <laughs> right uh, my whole life increased in happiness immediately <laughs> but that doesn't mean that i want i mean i was thinking about my own millennial self and what i would go to a big office for Mm-hmm. If you were like, okay, you can come into the office, use it for whatever you want to use it for, but you have to come and sit in your cubicle, what I would use it for. And I would use it for the printer. <laughs> <laughs> like, if we're really getting bare bones here. That's what I would use it for because that's what that place does for me. Yes. You know, it has like the tool I need, but if yes. you can figure out a way to get the tool in a place that is going to make you the most productive, then why would we not encourage that? May we can get you a printer. No, please, God, don't get me a printer. In your office. <laughs> Every millennial that you ever will talk to probably doesn't have a printer. Like, oh, no. we're all using our but office. If that's printer. a barrier, then nope. we can get you a printer. I'm just saying right now. No. Nope. <laughs> well, so, you know, the employees are not loving being back, being forced to go back. But I think, and this is where sticking with the employees for a minute, I think there's another overlay that's much bigger even than the physical place that employees are screaming about, which is what they, I think, really like is less rigidity about the time that they have and when they work. You know, people are, I think people are really appreciating, have appreciated in COVID with hybrid or remote work that they have more control over their own schedules. And again, we're talking knowledge workers here. Yeah. They yeah. have control over their schedules. They can they can take a 15 minute walk with their dog at 11.02 a.m. without feeling concerned that it's gonna look like they're not working hard or they can, if they're really good at their creative process at, you know, five in the morning, they can do that and then maybe take a little nap at one. You know, I'm hearing a lot of feelings about it's the time flexibility that's been really appreciated with COVID has required. Yeah. I mean, it all boils down to trust for me, Mm -hmm. you know, like having a place that trusts that you are working because you say you're working, right. And there are exceptions. Sure. There's some slackers, <laughs> but having the trust of like, yeah, I'm going to work when I I can work and it's going to be the best work I've got because that's the best time for me. And this is the best place for me. And I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. You know, is there's something really big there. I think that's actually what I appreciate most about it is that I get treated like an adult about work, you know, instead of heading into work to be watched while I try to work. Right. Well, and you have, as we all do in our in our company, we have a lot of time flexibility. And we had that before COVID too, but um, a lot of time flexibility where people are are empowered to concentrate their effort in a way that works for their life. And I and I'm seeing that this is something that's really, really, really treasured um, mm-hmm. by employees everywhere, and, and including, by the way, frontline workers. And I think this is one of the areas because one of the things I sometimes hear is that frontline workers or, you know, essential workers feel frustrated because the hybrid workers or the remote workers are all, you know, <laughs> dialogue going to the beach. <laughs> that's right. Well, there's all this dialogue going on about the knowledge workers. They should be in the office. They should be at home. And meanwhile, 
the people that are the front line are still going to a place every day, usually working in specific hours to keep the doors open. And there, I see them also saying like, it would be really nice if I could have more flexibility. Now, I don't think any fireman, you know, or nurse expects that they can do that work at home. Like they're, right. they're smart people. They know that that's not the case. But I do sometimes wonder what can employ, you know, what they might want is still a little more control over their schedule. Are there ways to redesign their shifts as teams that make better sense for them or to get creative with um, how they break apart their different rotations, you know, in order to serve their lives. And I think we're seeing, I, I hope that we're seeing more empowerment coming from that space in other sectors that are frontline too, because again, it's the it's the flexibility of time in addition to the flexibility of space that I think people want. And again, it can't be like, well, I'm going to be on duty at the fire station whenever I want to. We know that won't work. We know that won't work. Thank God they don't do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I would say that before the pandemic, our office, even though we have been fully remote for the entire time that I've worked for you, mm-hmm. we were also very different kind of remote. Because we worked everybody else's hours, right? Because yeah. everybody else was not working remote. We were like the weird stepchild. Yeah. That, like answered emails at 11, yeah. you know, PM. Mm-hmm. And now everybody has like come to our side of the of the game here. That to say that it's not actually the how to do it of like logistics for me that I think people are yelling about. There are some things to figure out there, but it is about the culture bit because that's actually what people are saying, right? It's like, we can do all these things. We can give you everything, which they've been doing before, right? You get a nap pod. If you want, you can have 45 types of chips. If you feel like it, if it helps you be more productive, but that didn't help culture. That's what the employees and everybody else is running into still is like, we're still getting the thing. Yeah. Okay. We're here. But our culture is still strange. The chips We're are still different. not cutting it. Yeah, right. Like that. Right. The surf- like we've given them a different kind of chips here. You know? Well, right. The surface perks are still not working. And totally. I think so. I think you're switching to. Well, I mean, you're not switching. You're staying with the employee around what the employees really want in in order to feel connected. Is they want a sturdy culture mm-hmm. where they feel valued, seen, and connected. And you know, we know, yeah. yeah. And this is where my, this is where I find myself like getting, like wanting to get on my soapbox with <laughs> all the time, because I'm like, there are seven things that employees need from. There's a whole book about this. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And those seven <laughs> things have not changed. Yeah. They, those yeah. seven things have not changed. I still need to feel seen. I need right. to feel safe. I need to feel that I can make my life work. I need to get paid fairly. Yeah. Um, I need to feel that I'm contributing. Those there's more, but those all those same needs are still in place. And so companies that were doing that really well before, whether they had remote work or hybrid work or flexible hours or not, they were investing in those things and people felt connected. Those same companies are likely in most cases still doing the same thing even when they're remote. Yeah. And or hybrid. And so I think for the people that are saying like for Malcolm, I would say, dear Malcolm, (laughs) good job. I agree. We need to reinforce the belonging needs that people have when they sign on to work somewhere. We that is a value and and there's a reason why we work and we don't want to forget about it. We want to invest in it. But we can create belonging when people are working flexible hours and in um, in blended situations in terms of being on site together yeah. we can make that work it has more to do with how we roll how we build and foster relationships and connections between employees and their teams between employees and their bosses 
that's all the sticky, hard, complex stuff of building culture. Love Mo. Yeah. Love Mo. I'm off and, my soapbox now. And please read my book. <laughs> and what I would say is like, dear Malcolm, what makes, who do you think you are that you think that you can't be part of something when you are away from them? Right. Like those things are, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> right. Dear Malcolm, I feel like maybe you should have edited your statement before you put it out because that's not actually, you don't actually believe that. Do you? Well, also you can't be part of something unless you're sitting at the table with them. Yeah. I love my family when I'm not with them. I sometimes love them more. <laughs> I sometimes love them more when I'm not with them. Actually. Exactly. Uh, let me just say that is true for you as well, Miss. I need an office to get away from my family to be productive. So yeah, I stepped in dog poop this morning. <laughs> like so happy to be away from dog poop right now. Yeah. And the thing about the commuting, uh, well, two things. First thing I want to say about commuting is that Emily Oster just she's a brilliant a statistician and economist. And she just came out with some research about commuting and that it's one of the things that people hate the most about going to the office. And it's the only thing that doesn't get better. So you can't solve it unless you go for remote or hybrid work. Yeah. Like, that's right. And it doesn't help anybody's mental health ever. And there's all this research about like what people are like when they like know they've got to commute and then they have to go do it. They get in the car or the train or the bus or whatever. And then they get there and they're just so diminished by the time they even get there. The calories burned to get them to work. Our calories are not bringing to work. No. And it's terrible also Horrifying. for our planet. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, that too. like there's that too, you know, and, <laughs> and, and Kim and I wrote about this in fit matters because we really, people very frequently mentioned it, um, yeah. especially in, in, you know, urban areas or in places where a long commute was sort of, you know, standard. And so, yeah, absolutely. People do not want to burn calories. I love the way you said that, you know, in that way. The other piece but, is that when I think about Mr. Gladwell, I'm aware <laughs> that the data is really definitive. And I've always seen this with our clients, most executives or leaders at the top of organizations actually already have more flexibility, both with where they work and when they work than any other worker class yeah. in the world. It's just what's real. Now, in the worst cases, they abuse it. I was listening to a client recently talk about how a previous CEO, for example, wanted to hire a private jet to go 30 miles or something from, you know, one, his home to one other place because he, you know, that was, it was convenient for where his vacation condo was. It's like, you know, we hear these extreme examples that are not yeah. good, but even in the not extreme examples, many at the top, and I'll use myself as an example, as CEO, I have always prioritize my own flexibility, both with where I work and with the hours that I work to suit me because of the level of how I need to think. And that's what I think most senior leaders do. They're not going to the shop floor for their 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift where they get two 15 minute breaks and one 30 minute break or, you know, on, into their cubicle nine to five, except for their lunch hour. They're not yeah. doing that. And so I think it's a place of huge privilege for someone like Malcolm Gladwell to say that when he's not actually doing that. And by the way, probably neither is Adam Grant, you know, uh -huh. even, although he's not saying that he is, you know, he works in academics. So there is a, he goes to a place, but a Adam, yeah. feel free to come onto the podcast and clarify for us. If you would like, we'd love to have you. The, another piece of these employees too, that are being, I think, seen inside of hybrid and remote work are the immune compromised community. 
and the like disabled community. We haven't even looked at them until we've just thought that maybe we needed to put special buttons on the door so the doors open so that they can get to work. This hasn't even occurred to our system that maybe our entire system can change to remote and hybrid work and we will get more better, braver thinkers that have been problem solving for their whole lives, how to get to work and how to be the best workers they can be by themselves without any support. That just seems like in itself, like bravo. Yeah. Yeah, that's been more about hybrid work just because we're missing brains out here. Absolutely. Close the doors and say that everything has to go back to the office. Why? And we're telling those people that like your lives aren't really all that worth it if it's dangerous at the office because of whatever, right? Right. Or the commuting or any of the things. You you can't get there. You know, you just, yeah, for a reason you can't, you can't get there um, Totally. in terms of economics or physical ability or anything. So, so let's talk, I want to come back to employees in a minute, because I want to talk about what we know is working to help employees that are remote, both location wise and also flexible, that what what we know is working that that doesn't cost us connection and community, because I do think that's a risk. I, you know, we have yeah. an epidemic of loneliness in our world, and I think this is what where I really agree with what I'm hearing. Some like Adam Grant say is that if and Malcolm, if we only if we are always just isolated from physical proximity forever and ever, it is harder. We're gonna have to put more effort into building yeah. the kinds of meaningful and material connection. And so we'll talk about some of what works for employees. But I want to switch to employers for a minute because I think employers are experiencing a different dynamic and what i'm hearing from employers is that they of knowledge workers is that they they have some real problems on their hands (laughs) you know (laughs) one is they have like vacuous empty office space it's very expensive for them yeah they also have less visibility into into what people are doing and so there's anxiety increases around productivity and connectedness they also are worried i hear them say this they're worried about culture and like the spirit of themselves and they you know many of them have ceos have told me the stories of like what they hear from new employees who have started during covid about how little they know even if they've been there let's say a year and a half how little they know about how this company rolls or how this organization rolls because they haven't actually been they haven't gotten enough exposure to the artifacts of culture that tend to like seep through when we're present in the same space and time. And I think those are real concerns. They're valid. Yeah. Well, they're valid. (laughs) And all of them, except the empty office space, I think it can be handled with creativity. And And the empty office space. Yeah. The empty office space too. With creativity, for sure. We need space for certain things. And if we don't need it for work, let's use it for the other things. Absolutely. Well, we have. And so some specific examples I've been thinking a lot about, May, is like we have a lot of clients in healthcare, in education that have been having to build modulars. You know, they pop these modulars up all over their campuses to create space for people to work. I'm like, put them in the empty office spaces now. You know, totally. let's have event in empty office spaces. Let's let's use this space. It does not have to lay idle. I have one client who is um, created a, they've streamlined their offices, they're a global company, they've streamlined their offices, but they've basically given people access to the offices to host their their connection times anywhere in the world that they want. So they can bring people for events in their office space. And they've had to redesign some of the space a little bit around what furniture is in there and stuff, but it's it's working really nicely. And it does give people a chance to walk through and be like, oh yeah, you know, I see the artifacts of this company and I, and it's mm-hmm. lovely. And why not meet there instead of at a Hilton? Totally.
Hey there, if you're a people leader in any sector at any level, you're probably impacted right now by statistics like this. 97% of small businesses are reporting that difficulty with hiring is impacting their bottom line. And 87% of those hiring right now, according to Goldman Sachs, are finding it difficult to hire and to keep the talent they need. Guess what this means? As we enter potential economic instability, it's more important than ever that you can both attract and keep the amazing people you need that make your organization great. I want to help you do that. And as a result, I'm offering a first time ever culture masterclass. It's starting on August 25th. It's only $99 for three hours of incredible practical content. You're going to walk away with the tools you need to leverage your people and culture assets to survive any storm ahead. I'll see you there. Yeah, there are, yes, there are problems with working remotely. Like, for example, we, you and I went to Italy together for one of our big, like, adventures for the ATTA. And um, I got given Mo's room when I checked in. And it was ginormous, y'all. It was beautiful. It was so nice. I was like, Italy is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Then we got in there and Mo was like, this is not, no, this isn't going to work. Like, I need this room. And when we finally figured out why Mo needed this room, it's not because of the bed. It's not because the pictures on the wind, like the walls were better, right? It's because you needed a meeting space to work remotely with the clients that we were going to have. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a problem that you're naming is like where to meet, how to meet expectations of how to have professional conversations, not at the dinner table you know, and like how to invite people into your world without inviting them into your house. Um, Not because it's not professional in certain ways. Maybe it is not professional, but also because there just needs to be some boundaries. You know, like not everyone can work in your kitchen. I just wanted to to clarify. I just wanted the good view from the room in Italy. Was it? No, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I didn't, I did not pull status and rank only for that, but I I think that's a good point around again, like the word that you said that's so powerful is design or you implied it if you didn't say it. And I think this is where employers, this is where I really want to see employers get creative. And I want to, that's why I really do want to invite Adam and Malcolm to the podcast, right? Because (laughs) we've got to get creative with how we design our physical space and also our time. Totally. You know, uh, because, and I feel like this is where, where we have historically in, in every sector, we've just been able to get away with lazy ass crappy meanings that burn people's time as the most precious commodity and create no connection. Yeah. And now I think we, I'm like, we want to, we have got to leverage people's time by creating meaningful connection when they are together because they're not going to be together all the time. So we need to design it so that we get a lot of lift from that time. And I think what we've seen historically is that people have just been slowly worn down by meeting after meeting after meeting that does nothing to simulate their connection to each other or to the culture. But also it tells them exactly how the system works, right? right? If you want to know how your system rolls and you're in back-to-back booked meetings because people just want to talk together in a room, you know exactly how that place works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that would be my pushback to you is that, do you think really that connection and culture was thriving 
when we were in the office? No, because that seems like a weird argument that these people are making of like, oh, no, our culture was great. And now it's garbage because we don't come to this place. That seems like a smoke show to me. I think so, too. And I think that's where it's like that's where I'm with Adam on this one, because because we it's true that like we we know that toxic culture and even not toxic, but like milk toast cultures were problematic way before COVID and the ones that that sucked. Still suck. <laughs> I mean, yeah. let, let's say it like it is, but but the ones that were vibrant, I'm actually hearing that concern more from our clients who have vibrant culture who are they saying, wanna... wait a second, we are actually we are actually missing each other a little bit like we're missing connection and they're having to get quite creative with how they do that. Now, a little side note on that. Some of those clients are international and they've actually noticed that their satellite offices, the ones that not that are not HQ have benefited hugely from everybody being remote because there's a lot less like marginalization of people mm-hmm. that aren't at HQ because everybody is there's an equalizing. And so for the remote locations, let's say, you know, for our clients who have offices in Germany, those employees and managers are feeling a lot more connected to the company than ever before because everybody's interacting in the same way. There's more touch points, whereas before they were like able to come maybe once a year to headquarters and see these people. Now they're seeing them often because everybody's virtually meeting online, et cetera. So yeah, I think you're right. The problem isn't where we work or even what hours we work. The problem is we're not, when it's a problem, is that we're not investing in um, in people and culture. And let's solve that problem. This is not slap solutions that have to do with where we work and what hours we work. Yeah. Well, my question out into the ether would be that if you see a problem, if you're if you're hearing, if you're feeling some tension around not knowing what your people are doing, or if you are feeling a problem happening, is that a new problem? Or has that problem actually always been there, but has been masked by other things and you just let it fly? Yeah. Right before. And and if it is a new problem, then let's solve it. You know, like there is a solution for it, probably. But and, we'll, we'll, and let's talk are, about it. Are some old problems that got buttered over? I yes. Think, you um, know. <laughs> they got, well, they got completely, you know, dismissed. And now the problem is is that people aren't coming into the cubicles. It's like actually that <laughs> is not the problem. Well, but also I think this is a this is a little note tip for employers. This requires really deep listening. And it also requires some decision-making because a lot of times what employees are asking for, it's very nuanced. And I'll use an example of my friend, Sandy. My friend, Sandy works in financial services and they all went home during COVID, of course, they all work at home. She and her colleagues that were in the support, you know, support staff were fielding each other's calls. They, they, you know, tech did help by getting calls forwarded to their homes and secure lines and stuff. After, you know, financial services is one of the industries that has asked everybody to come back to the office. And so Sandy and her colleagues went back to the office, but they weren't that happy about it. Many of them really did enjoy the privilege of being at home. And so she asked, as the leader of this group, she asked her boss, like, hey, we'd like to float a proposal for you for some remote work, some working from home schedules that we could carry some of what, what worked during COVID. And her manager initially said, no, we can't do that. That's not we're not going to allow you to work from home. And she persisted. And what was interesting was that that manager's perspective was that they were asking to be work from home, always, never in the office, completely like they were in COVID. And she 
energy was like, not at all. Like we recognize that in our business, it makes sense to be in the office. But what we were asking is, could we all find a way to be in the office, say three days a week and rotate out and work from home two days a week and cover each other's call, like we've been doing really well during COVID. And when he heard that, it was like, oh, well, that sure. seems reasonable. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like we have to really listen to what it is our employees are asking for and what what they're really liking and then design around it, which is my second feedback to employers is make sure that you're making decisions that make it clear for people how it is that you do like to roll. Because I think where employees get crazy is when the rules are unclear, like, mm -hmm. am I supposed to come into the office or will I have more status and rank if I come in? Yeah. And, and, and also, here's an example. I had a client was telling me the other day that they set up like collaborative Wednesdays or something, you know, they're saying we'd like everybody to try to come in on Wednesdays and, and that's a day we can connect and stuff. And the problem is that people are only coming in when they have meetings scheduled and many of them are on zoom. <laughs> so there's no need to be there anyways. Exactly. So I'm like, if you're going to have collaborative Wednesdays, freaking collaborate, like, <laughs> like design that time. So the people are not in their cubicles on zoom, but you're having those meetings or those types of exchange, creative reviews, whatever, yeah. that get the benefit of why you want to be together, which is like mainly when you want to talk and exchange emotionally in ways that build community that, but design it that way. Don't just be like, show up here and do your zoom calls from your cubicle. Yeah. 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 Isn't it just like that scene from Wally where everybody's like watching TV in their little boats? Yes. <laughs> everybody comes to their like cubicle and talks to someone else on Zoom. There's a piece too. I love those tips. The piece there too is that letting people connect with each other, if that's what you want them to do, you have to let them connect with each other. Design it well and yeah. also trust that people are, they're humans. They're going yeah. to connect with people when they are given the space to do that. Yeah. And when the expectation is that, and when you loosen your grip a little bit on like, we are all here to connect, please start connecting, you know, like just right. let give space and let people do that because they will, they want to do that too. That's what employees are asking for also is good connection with their, with their fellow employees. Right. Which would be my, my tip to the employees from your two tips to the employers would be that if you're going to ask for remote and hybrid working, be ready to compromise and be ready to negotiate because the thing you're asking for, they might not have ever thought of. And that the thing you're asking for might not actually be what you want until you have the conversation of what is possible. Yeah. You know, cause if you go in and you say, I'd really like to work only two days a week, right? It's just not yeah. going to work. Right. right. And if you, you want a job in two days a totally. week. Yeah. And for well, example, it's... we have a four day work week and not everybody took it. Right. That's the other thing. Like our company put in a four day work week. And I was the only one that was doing it for a while. And with the clear expectations that it was four tens, right. Or four eights. Right. And I knew that. And that was after a conversation with you. Right. And then everybody else knew that. And if they could make it happen, then they were going to make it happen. And they decided that they wanted something different. So yeah. I think as an employee, it's like, don't assume that everybody wants the same thing. Go in knowing that you're going to have to have a conversation about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's where it does get complex and where we as employers have to really be thinking deeply. Like you said that four tens, then four eights. And I'm like, well, actually in my mind, it's four tens. And then I'm like, but am I counting four tens? Really? No. What I'm counting is that those of you that are working four days are doing full-time work, which it, for a professional staff, like I have, that means more than 40 hours. Like you're working a full-time job. And, but yeah. the reality is I don't actually care if you can get that full-time <laughs> job done. I don't. Yeah. 
If you yeah. get it done in 28 hours because you are that amazing, good job. Like I'm skeptical. I don't know if you can, but what matters to me is that you get the work done. And and I and I think that's where you've used the word trust, you know, a couple of times. And I think that's where the trust comes in. But it isn't blind trust. It's navigated trust. And and it reminds yeah. me of a of a tip. And maybe this is where we can wrap. Is like what are some of the things we're seeing that are working, mm -hmm. like. So one thing that I think is becoming increasingly important, and we're learning about how to do it at, at our firm as well, is better asynchronous project yeah. transparency, better ways. And there's so many good tools out there. We're learning about some of them with our pivot to Notion, but better ways to see each other's work, have access to it, and have that way of noticing that others are like in the thing, whether it's Slack or Notion or your project database, that people are in there frequently so that you don't feel as alone you can comment and respond but it's it can be asynchronous it doesn't have to be a meeting i think that's a tip that that is really important that we get wired uh one like some point to this tip is that i think some of the things i'm hearing about the pushback against remote work and hybrid work is that it's hard mm -hmm. it's hard to change all these systems like i'm thinking about us in notion and how gentle the word pivot is but like it's not actually all that gentle it kind of feels like a car accident and <laughs> that then we're like still have to drive the car right. you know so it's hard it and is hard. that changing this many systems in this while you are at a breakneck pace yes is very difficult yeah. and going back to the office is much easier no, for certain parties right so yeah. like, just know that the things that you've got to have to do they are difficult and like just know that. So one of the things that I think is working because is the, we use Slack, but is telling people when you're available and when you're not available. Um, it's working really well for deep thinking yeah. for making space to have it. Like it's probably working better than headphones and like not talking to anybody in your cubicle, right? Because you're Absolutely. just not you're like, you're not available. And the other thing is that a meeting probably doesn't need to be a meeting. It can be a five minute check-in about the thing that you're thinking about. And if you know that person's around, then you can just have that quick five minute meeting instead of scheduling a meeting. Yes. You can have a quick check-in. And I think that's working well for Cam and Jess and I, the staff at Momentum, because we don't need to be in a meeting. <laughs> we just need to know that we're not alone. Number one, we need to connect with someone. And two, we need just someone else's eyes on the project that we have. That does totally. not require an hour. So- totally. I mean, even if we went back to the office, I would want that. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's also like, to me, it reminds me of, it's a way of taking what used to happen maybe when we were in an office, not for us, but for many companies of the informal, like I'm passing by your space and I'm like, oh, did he see the thing with the thing? Does that make sense? And we can do that with informal check-ins, whether it's actually video or it's just a phone call or whatever, but, but without burdening, overburdening ourselves constantly with meetings. Yeah. I think another tip that I'm seeing employers really benefit from is, and this is a, again, it's like, it's, it's to our point of, we had these problems before, they're just worse now. Like I think <laughs> like ever since I've been in this business, mate, when I've gotten calls from people that are looking to strengthen their teams or their culture, it often starts with like, do you do things like firewalking or do you do paintball? <laughs> like we'd love to do paintball, you know, at night. They're, they'll be like, can we go and do, and I'm like, what are the goals of your time? Because my experience is that social activities like cocktail parties, like paintball, like even I was with a client recently, we did axe throwing, which by the way, was pretty fun. Um, but, <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> but it didn't for the introverts, especially 
Yeah. It didn't really build community because yeah. some people were definitely not that into it. And there's a little bit of a shallowness about what you talk about. So if you're, you know, same as was before, you know, same as was true before, if we're going to try to be building culture and community, we have to design it in a way that does that, which yeah. isn't going to be a cocktail party. Right. It's going to be a meaningful question where everyone is asked to respond in a designed way that is people centered. And I think that's that's really important to do. The other tip I was thinking about for everybody, and this one is really hard, I think for a lot of clients, but if you're using video, put your video on. <laughs> that is not where I thought you were going. Yes. <laughs> put your video on. I mean, people, yeah. I have clients, we've done workshops with people where we have 100 people on the call and four of them have their videos on and they'll say, well, that's how we roll. Nobody ever puts their videos on when we meet in our regular meetings. I'm like, Really? And doesn't that, that say something about culture? It's not actually the thing that's happening. Right. It's that that is like, that's how we do it. So the videos were off in another way when we were at the office. Absolutely. But and and it, that way was to come to meetings with your laptop. The same thing, <laughs> right? People so would come wild. to their meetings. I remember working with Microsoft one time and they we had a series of meetings that were very important trust building meetings. And every single person in the room came. The first thing they did was they staked out their chair and they got their laptop set up and then they hid their face behind it. And I was like, um, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. That's not going to build connection. So the same is true on video. Like it's not yeah. going to build connection if you're multitasking. Show so up. Show up. Yeah. And the leaders should go first. Like yes. that's the bit is that if your leaders videos are on, I think it will change. You know, yes. if your videos on and my videos off, I better have a good reason my videos off. My tip into the other about the video of it is anybody. I talked to a leader once whose rule was that anybody that walked across the screen, pet, animal, family member, just had to say hello to everybody else on the screen. And <laughs> it takes time. Yeah. But I think the thing that it does build is that it makes it so that this is not a vacuum, you know, like my little square is not a vacuum and that everybody that is existing in it does not have to do my work with me. You know what I mean? Like my husband is not tiptoeing around. He's like coming to say hello and ask you how you are. And that I think has done more for my investment in this company than many things, mm -hmm. because I know you care about my husband. Cause I know you care about my kid because you've seen them and met them and they know you. You know, like my kid calls you Auntie Moe. Like we have a <laughs> connection and you've never met her, you know, in, in real life. Well, and, and I that's, think that's the culture bit. Yeah. Right? It's like, that's what you want to know about people. Know yes. it. Yes. And when it, yes, you're so right. And I think that's something that gets lost in the intellectual banter back and forth about yeah. like, should we be in the cubicles? It's like, you know what? <laughs> when, I mean, I had, I had a client one time who did not allow people to put their family pictures on or any art on the walls. Oh, and God. I know. And which is sad and not a very vibrant culture, <laughs> right? It's horrible. But it's like, the, it's that equivalent. If, if we are remote working and everybody has to have a perfect backdrop and yeah. never have the noise of their life or their family or their home or their pet show up, then we're doing the same thing. We're saying, come to this cubicle and you can bring nothing of yourself. And yeah. that is what I think employees are saying hell no i'm yeah. not going to live that way anymore if you want to hire me you get me which includes my people all my this messy life all you get all of it because i don't have compartments of what i bring to work and i think the employers that knew that before are still knowing that and designing things that work and the employees that didn't get that before welcome
Totally. Totally. Well, that's a great spot to leave it. (laughs) Um, That was a good one. Thank you, Mo. Thanks, May. Yeah, you too.